You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. We're going to look at 5 through 8 today, so that puts our schedule uh, a little longer, uh, makes our schedule a little longer. I was going to do 5 through 17, that's way too much. I'm not going to be able to do that and then be able to actually get, probably give these, you know, give the text proper uh, attention that they deserve. So it's 5 through 8 today, so it'll be, uh, this is off with the old, on with the new, and it's sort of part one. So next week will be part two, and we'll go nine through however I see fit, I guess, how much I can get in. So it may be a little shorter today just because I didn't want to go on to, with the next part. So um, before we read the text, uh, last week I stated uh, that Paul was now giving instruction, uh, instruction and application to the Christian life. Okay, Paul is declaring that we are no longer to live in the way that we used to, right? And which is the unregenerate state of death as unbelievers. Okay, so we're going to see again more than more imperatives of the new life of who, of who we are. In Christ, all right. So this is this is off with the old, on with the new, because we're new creations in Jesus. And again, as I stated, these are rooted in the reality of who we are in Christ. Okay, and I, I think probably the last two weeks I've been saying those were positional truths, right? And sometimes it feels like we aren't any of those things that Paul has been talking about, but that's the positional. It's who we are spiritually in Jesus in union with him. And, and that's how the Father sees us. But our practical daily experiences seem to be different, right? Okay. I don't feel very holy <laughs> or very righteous some days, all right? Um, and and that's, that's where we start to get some practical and application, okay? So this is the practical, starting with five Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. All right, so we have to deal with this whole this put to put to death. Okay, put to death what is earthly. Another translation is consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Now the Greek actually says to kill the members. Kill the members of your earthly body and not just consider them as dead. 
All right, and we have that, that therefore. Therefore, what is earthly, okay? The therefore after put to death is on the basis of your position in Christ, okay? So um, I don't know what uh, translations everybody uses. I'm usually out of the ESV, but the, N- 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 the NASB is better here, okay? It says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. And the, re- the reason I would say that's better is because the confusion we can get with have, having already read and studied about dying with Christ and the elementary principles of the world from chapter 2, all right? We, and I've been saying, that's, you, you're, you died. You died with Christ, right? So you're thinking of that, and if you do not stay in context, that's when our minds, we get tripped up, I think. And I do it as well, all the time. All right, so here we read, uh, (laughs) we read this put to death stuff, right? But I've already, I've dead, died to Christ. And now I have to put to death thing, all right? This is why I pointed out that Paul has been pointing us to our position and not our everyday experience. All right, the point being here is that with with these verses, that our positional reality, okay, that's, that spiritual reality has to be worked out then in our practical living. All right, so th- this is why chapter 3 is instruction and application. The first two chapters, Paul has been hammering again and again, telling us who we are in Christ. And about that, per- that permanent, perfect position that we possess in Jesus. Now, he's telling us to put to death our members, which, uh, which are on earth, right? And the, if you're not paying attention to context... That can confuse you. All right. This means as Christians, we are responsible to deal with sin, which means we are responsible then to put it to death, to kill it. All right. The, the old the old word is mortify. Mortify your sin. Mortify this. OK. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's funny. So. We have to deal with this. We have to deal with this. We have to break it down to understand it, apply it to our lives. All right. And members, it does mean part of the body. All right. Just just when Jesus, he was talking about plucking out an eye. All right. Plucking out an eye, cutting off a hand. That can be misinterpreted just like this. Okay. We should know we are not literally to cut our hands off. Okay. Even though people have done that in the past, and I'm serious, they have done it. Uh, they have literally cut their hands off or plucked their eyes out. All right. We should know, right, that first off, from what we've already looked at, Paul is not advocating any type of asceticism here because he condemned it earlier in this letter. He's using a figure of speech. And in, in this figure of speech, it's, it's something that's named is, is used to represent another thing which it is uh, part of or associated with. So when Paul speaks of killing bodily parts or members, he's actually actually referring to the sins associated with that, your, with your body. Okay, so we're not to put to death our hands and our eyes and our tongue, literally, right? So the members then, 
that can be used in this uh, that are to be put to death are sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Some translations say greed instead of covetousness. Put to death means to cease completely from activity, to stop completely, and it is a decisive, urgent action that takes this taking place. Okay, so we know that God's will for our lives is practical sanctification. I say practical sanctification because there's different, there's various views of sanctification out there. I grew up in entire sanctification movement. Uh, I guess in that movement, I don't know, but they preached entire sanctification, which essentially meant you would finally grow to a place to live a life of no sin at all, completely sinless life. However, that was a misinterpretation from John Wesley on entire sanctification, and which he said we would never attain a sinless life until we were to die and go into eternal uh, glory with Jesus. So people just took what they, <laughs> what they had. So it was always sanctified, sanctified, sanctified. You have to be sanctified. Sanctified in what I was growing up to was also a second work that took place in, in your life. Uh, I don't see that. This is a continuing thing. It takes place in all the Christians' lives that should be practical. And we should learn it from, from the word and not from other people's works <laughs> and things like that. When I mean their, 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 their belief or their opinion on it. Okay. This is practical sanctification and holiness. Okay. That's Paul's call here is just for that. Okay, so what we have, okay, and uh, is, uh, and I, I think it's also my upbringing. I get uncomfortable when we talk about things of sex. So, <laughs> okay, and we have children here, but that shouldn't be an issue because parents should be raising them with a biblical worldview and all that thing. And we know we know these things are here. Okay, so we'll get we have to get into this, <laughs> and it's important. We have. Uh, I'm going to break these down those words down in this way. Illicit sexual activities, any form of moral corruptness, uncontrolled, illegitimate desires, and there's this evilness there that's there, and physical desires which amount to idolatry. And I'll explain that uh, later. This covetousness or greed at the end, you'll, you'll see what it means. So how do we do this? Okay, Practical holiness becomes reality for us in steps. And they are steps that have been laid out for us already uh, by Paul and other letters in Romans 6. All right. Uh, and I can't go through all of Romans 6. I was debating if I should or not. But if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to look at Romans 6 later and then compare that with this section of Colossians. OK, and, and maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it next week. I don't know. I'm still dealing with that decision. But it's there that Paul speaks of knowing Considering and yielding. Okay, these are the steps, if you will. Knowing is a theme in the Bible and to doctrine. And to the thing that we are to know would be the doctrine of our union with Christ, which Paul has laid out. All right. The main thing to know really would be the gospel. But then when you get to the gospel, you're dealing with the Trinity, you're dealing with the Christology, you're dealing with soteriology and all these things that are in there that's wrapped up. But the thing to know is our doctrine, our identity as uh, 
being new in Christ. We are identified with Jesus when we share all he is and all he has. And we know this because scripture teaches it. It's not just it's not just here, but it's elsewhere as well. And the old has been taken away. That person joined with Adam was crucified with Christ. Therefore, we are dead to sin and set free from it. So considering then, you know those things. Now consider these things then means to know that they are true. This is truth, right? So we keep on in our daily lives knowing it's true that we are dead to sin, alive in Christ, alive to the Father, and we are in Christ. And because of that, we share his righteousness. And then all of this then brings us to yielding. All right, knowing deals with understanding the truth, considering is believing the truth, and then yielding deals with the will, all right? The acting on what we know and what we believe. We yield to that. So Romans 6.12, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. Okay, so we see here, sin wants to reign. It means to exercise a kingly power over you. Paul's writing to Christians here. All right. So that means that sin can indeed reign in the life of a believer if it is permitted to do so. So we have to think or ask, do we let it rain, rain or do we battle it? Right. So it won't. We don't give into it. It's through the desires of the body that sin wants to reign and take control of us. And the desires of the body are conceived as demanding obedience from us. Okay, so this practical sanctification then is a process. We'll never truly be rid of sin while we're here on planet Earth. The Christian life we know can be a struggle or a battle while we're in this body. But... It's, it's temptation. We're either going to give into it or you're going to deal with temptation. I mean, you, when it's temptation, you give into it, you then just yield to the sin. And then it starts to reign in your life. And when it reigns in your life, it starts to control you and your actions and your reactions. Okay, we deal with this. So we are not to permit sin to reign in our bodies through its desires, okay? Contrary to our experience, to our daily life, we are dead to sin. It says that, right? So we know this. We know it. <laughs> Go back to the know. Know it. Now on the basis of our position, we are not to allow sin to reign in us, in our bodies, Okay, that's why we are to present ourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And then our members, right? Our members, our, our eyes, our, our mouth, our hands uh, as instruments of righteousness to God. And Paul mentions this in Romans six thirteen, And he says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Instead, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. All right. So we are supposed to present ourselves uh, as those 
alive from the dead, right? We were dead, spiritually dead. Now we're new creations. We've been risen with Christ. So knowing the truth about ourselves in Jesus, then we believe it. Once we believe it, we act upon it instead of acting then on the earthly body. All right. The eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, the tongue, the mind and its emotions can take over us pretty fast if we let it. These members then become instruments of unrighteousness when we put them at the disposal of sin, then allowing it to control us and reign. And this is why practical sanctification starts in the mind, right? This, this is in the mind, okay? You have to know who you are and know where your strength comes from. We must know and believe that we are dead to sin, all right? The basis for me not presenting my members to sin is my position in Jesus. That's my identity. That is who I am. And this comes then as we stop yielding to sin and start yielding to the Holy Spirit. And as we do this, we put to death our earthly members as we have been commanded to do so. And obviously then it should be clear by now that we don't do this on our own. We do not accomplish this on our own, in our own strength, but it's in dependence upon God through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay. And later in Romans, Romans eight thirteen, Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we live our lives by the Spirit, right? It's by the Spirit, then, that we are to put to death these things that Paul's commanding in Colossians 3. So we're going to move to the first catalog of sins here that Paul has mentioned. All right. Now, they're, 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 they're related to self, right? <laughs> that should be obvious. It's related to you, yourself, and the thinking of you instead of the things above, which we have seen. All right. Immorality is listed first. All right. In the Greek, uh, the Greek word is porneia where we get our word porn or pornography from. Um, it wouldn't mean it's limited to that now, obviously, but that's where, it, you know, obviously these things are interesting. But that Greek word is often linked in the Bible to fornication and harlotry. It means what I stated early, uh, earlier, illicit sexual intercourse. And it would include, it's not limited to, but it includes adultery, fornication, homosexuality, uh, bestiality, incest, and so forth, okay? So it's a very broad term to cover any form of sexual sin, all right? Now, I also believe that this list, this first list of terms here, uh, they all have to do with our sex, all right? We, we are, indeed, have been created as, as man and woman, right, to come together as one, we are sexual beings. We should know this. Every, every animal is a sexual being. I mean, in the animal kingdom, they, that's what we know this, okay? So as believers, we should know God's will then for us is the sexual purity. Sexual purity, remaining pure until marriage, 
that marriage is between a man and a woman, that sex is between a man and a woman, and keeping it pure within that covenant that has been made in marriage. And then secondly, he states impurity. All right, um, this is a more general term than in immorality. It goes beyond the act to uh, include then the thoughts, evil thoughts, or intentions of the mind. Um, it could refer to what we would call perverted forms of sex, which would be homosexuality, incest, child abuse, and various other strange sexual practices. All right, And they, they would all be covered by this one word, impurity. Third is passion, which when you think of, we, we think we could think of passion as good and bad, right? But here we have to look in context. Again, it is related to sexual lust and sexual perversions. And it's also, it's related to the emotions that we have. And from what I could tell from looking at this, it's actually related to this emotion or a feeling which says the mind suffers from in the, in the dictionaries, which when you start to put, well, I'll, I'll get to that. I won't go off track here. Um, the suffering in the mind, okay, of this passion, just keep that in mind when we get to covetousness or greed. We have fourth is evil desires. And this again, this is a closely associated with lust. And it is a mental uncleanness, it says. And this is exactly what Jesus would have had in mind when, when he said, if a man looks after a woman and lusts after her he, in his heart, he's already committed adultery, right? And, and so then we come to the covetousness or greed. Impulse is, is idolatry. Now, people debate if all five are idolatry or it's just the covetous, covetousness, which is idolatry. I think... I think it should be obvious to see how they are all related, if they all have to do with this sexual stuff, and that each one of them can, in fact, become idolatry, right? So I, I think it includes the whole, the whole list. But covetousness or greed here, in this particular context, it's being linked with idolatry, is different than greed that we've talked about, uh, or not talked about, but <laughs> I said it was different earlier. Often greed in the Bible is related to money or material things. We're greedy about that. But here, this greed is specific, and it means to possess another person's body. All right? So it's a powerful longing to have another person and to possess their body for your pleasure. All right? So obviously we, sh we can see there is nothing new under the sun whatsoever. All these things were an issue when Paul wrote this in the first century, just as they are today. So, you know, Olivia and I, we were talking about these things the other night. When you see that, like, passion or this uh, has the suffering in the mind, that immorality is pornea, which is porn, and you, you can see how people... What you said, nothing is sacred, right, anymore when it comes to these things. Nothing is sacred anymore. From an early age, everything is advertised in sexual ways, right? Um, sex sells. 
and uh, whether it's right just up front in, in your face or it's just subtle, it's there. It starts to get in the mind. And this is where I said it starts in the mind, the, the sanctification process, the renewing of our minds. It starts there. All right. There's no wonder that you have people who first start in, with letting sin reign in their body by watching images uh, of pornography and sexual acts. And then it starts to become a suffering thing mentally for them that they struggle with. And then they have to act out on it either through prostitution or rape or uh, molesting children and all these things and it gets worse it progressively gets worse and i'm not saying that that this list is just then limited to that everybody has some sort of issue and some part of their life when it comes to this because of our culture and also because a lot of us didn't have any of our parents touch this with a 10-foot pole right you're just taboo to say sex at home you just don't do that right it's bad in the church for a long time was just like that's bad you just don't like talk about it right um that's not limited to like serial rapists and killers is what i'm trying to say there are people who become so totally depraved with these things it becomes idolatry it becomes this greed this passion this evil desire for whatever reason, they want to possess someone who is not theirs for their pleasure. They want to make money off of it. They want to traffic people. It's huge. It's all over. Okay, I won't get into that, but a lot of this stuff is becoming public now with trafficking, sex trafficking, and all that stuff from children to adults. And it happens. And in, and believe it or not, it happens around here. So, I mean, I've known, I've known cops. I know people that talk about Marion being the... The, the mini hub around here for the transport or the, the the handing off of drugs, money, whatever for a human being in America in 2020. Okay? It happens. All of these things I could see as a, being accumulated. Is that how I, did I pronounce that right? <laughs> Accumulation of all of these things in people's minds that they deal with. So he's saying, kill these things. We are to kill them, all right? And I, I'm just rambling, but that's along the lines of what we were talking about. And if it doesn't not get that serious, because it doesn't with a lot of people, you're still letting the kingly rule of sin then reign in your body when you deal with this on a constant basis or a daily basis or something that wants to rear its head every so often. It's there. It needs to be killed. That's why we are called to do this, to get rid of, like kill it, mortify it, okay? So we go on. It says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked when you were living in them. Huge contrast here, okay? Paul reminds the church that these are the very same traits that are common to unbelievers, to those who are living in the world, and that this will lead to their destruction. All right, so these are the traits that we shared before we had faith. So he's saying, therefore, why share in these traits? Why share in something that defines some, someone that we used to be? 
don't accept these things. Sin, because sin brings wrath. That wrath comes in eternal death. The wrath of God is simply his reaction to evil. And even though we, all, we do know that God, um, God is love, he is also a holy God, and wrath is the way that a holy God reacts to sin. So I don't believe Paul, Paul isn't warning us that if we sin, we feel the wrath of God, right? We have been saved from that and from eternal death. But it is worth noting or pointing out that all sin has consequences in our lives, and along with the conviction that comes with it, and uh, of course it's debated, but there's discipline from the Lord or chastising sometimes, which is debated, but it's <laughs> not going into that. But there's discipline to be had. Uh, if you don't get it, what seems directly to be from the Lord, you know, uh, a spouse could <laughs> could receive discipline from their their spouse <laughs> because of something they have done because of sin. There's consequences, and that's what I mean. All right, so what, Paul, uh, uh, what, what Paul's saying is that those who are Christ, right, by being placed in him, wouldn't want to have a life full of these behaviors or these thoughts because these, these are behaviors and thoughts are characteristics of those who will feel his wrath. All right, the children of God should not want to act or act like children of wrath or sons of disobedience. So, so we've been taken from that positional uh, area to the practical, which means there is work, if you want to call it work. There's work to be done. We have to guard our minds. By guarding our minds, we need to know we guard our eyes, we guard our ears as well. All right, so that first catalog of sins, uh, we come to the second and this is where we're going to end. But the, the second catalog of sins in verse 8 says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Okay, so we are called to put to death that first set of sins. Now Paul says here to now uh, put all of these away or to put aside. That is... It's to rid ourselves of these things. The first set we are to kill, to put to death. These we are to take off or disrobe ourselves of, okay? And then just like the first set, that they amount to idolatry, the mention of our mouth here goes uh, with every sin mentioned. It's not limited to that, I don't believe. We can see anger physically. We can see wrath physically. But it does go along with our mouth as well. So this verse, it also starts as a contrast, okay? A contrast to verse 7 by stating, or starting with, but now, okay? In other words, it's like this. You were like this. Your life was walked out in this way, but now, all right, but now you are new. You were crucified, buried, risen with Christ. So, but now you are new. You must get rid of these things, put them all away. So putting them away, putting aside is a way to just take off. It's like taking off dirty clothes. It's symbolic, okay? The symbolic in being made new, being made clean or washed clean. We are to take off these sins as this act, 
All right. Discard them as we would our dirty laundry. All right. So that's why I said disrobe because the, in the Greek it says disrobe. So we'll look at each one of these in closing. Anger. Anger is a settled state. And it, it has revenge in it too. There's anger, a combining of anger and revenge. It's hostility of the mind. I'm not talking about when you just get a little mad or upset. This is anger, okay? Anger is hostility in the mind. It creates grudges. It creates resentments and bitterness and probably a list of other things, all right? This is there. It's settled. You're angry with this person. That's it. 20 years have gone by. I'm angry when you hear their name, right? <laughs> Not just like you stub your toe <laughs> and you're mad for a second. It's different, okay? Now, obviously, not all anger is sin. There are things that anger God. And those things can anger us as well. The reality is that all of us face situations and challenges that may make us angry. All right? No one is immune to this. Regardless of our emotional makeup, though, anger affects us all. All right? And then when we allow anger to control us, the outcome could be costly. All right? So we need to put it away, set it aside. Now, next we have wrath, okay? And we have to distinguish anger from wrath. So anger uh, is this abiding, settled habit of the mind. And it's actually the purpose, the settled purpose of wrath. It manifests wrath. Wrath, though, is the turbulent commotion of the mind, which can be rage, okay? Uh, the, the Greek likens it to a fire in a straw, which just flares up briefly and then it's gone, right? Okay, so anger is less sudden in its rise, but it's more lasting. It's there. It's settled. Wrath is a more agitated con uh, condition and it's, it's an act like a, a act of rage, okay? And it can be short. All right. So malice then is a desire to hurt others. Um, it's the quality of wickedness that has this implication, which is harmful and damaging. It's a feeling of hostility and strong dislike with a possible implication of desiring to do harm to somebody as well. And then we have slander. Slander is blasphemia in Greek, okay? It's blasphemy. That's what we get. When used in relation to God, right? We know to blaspheme God. We know this, right? Blasphemy or things that are labeled blasphemy. It's to speak of ill of someone by hurting their name, hurting their reputation. It means to speak against someone in a way with that intention to harm or injure their reputation. You blaspheme somebody is slandering them. And then we have obscene talk. Uh, some translations says abusive talk. The term refers to obscene and derogatory speech that is intended to hurt or wound someone as well. But it's not limited to that. It could be coarse types of uh, or crass types of language as well. So the list of sins then, it ends with from your mouth. All right. It, it, 
And like I said, it may not just refer to the abusive or obscene talk, but the entire list of sins there can, can come from your mouth, but it can also, we know it can also manifest physically as well. All right, so um, anger and wrath, they're, they're, they're forms of the vice vocally when it's verbalized, okay? And it's verbalized, it verbalizes their displeasure. All right. So Jesus, Jesus said that the mouth reveals what's in the heart. James said, how can, can both bitter and pure waters come out of the same fountain? How can both praise to God and curse of men come out of the same mouth? That's James 3, 10 and 11. And, and Paul in Ephesians, he said to let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, I don't feel like I need to put this out here for you guys but you know that's not the, we are to talk to people we are to confront people there's rebuke too as well with false teachers we should know these things it should not be confused with these things and neither should any of that talking or calling out or uh, rebuking should it should not result in these things either right and, and, and being angry of a false teaching or a false Teacher should not be so settled in you that you just have that settled disposition of just, right? Uh, you can be angry, you can be mad about that, but it should not be something that's going to take control and reign you, is what I mean, okay? Does that make sense? That makes sense? Okay. So obviously, we have some of these, you know, like, well, where did it, where's the line here? Well, I think I've given you the lines by the definitions. We should know, okay? So, um, so Paul, uh, Paul says then that these should all be put away. It's to be taken off. It's taken out of our lives as Christians. All right. We face them. We have to deal with them. Um, but this, this is, this is why we need to know and understand our position in Christ. Like I said before, and now we know how to deal with these to put to death and to put away these things. Understanding our position and the reality then of having died with him and raised to new life. For when it comes then to day by day reality of living life in the here and now we all face things of the old and those of the old they look like the world. They're not of God. They're not of the kingdom. They're not of the Father. So we are called to renew our minds and kill the sin and then put away these things. Mortify. Mortify whatever it is that does not imitate our Father and disrobe of those filthy garments because we've already, they've already been exchanged for this clean white robe that we have been given by Christ. So be washed, be made, make it new, make it reality in your daily life. And, I, and that's the point here in this section. So 